Hello, my name is Billy Carson, and I'm a best-selling author and the founder of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Together with my team, we have built an all-new conscious streaming TV platform designed with every family member in mind. If you have ever wanted to travel the world and attend lectures and workshops from your favorite speakers but weren't able to, look no further. ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. There are dozens of workshops and lectures from speakers you know and love. We have also included amazing categories to assure that your consciousness is entertained and elevating on a daily basis. Amazing interviews, ancient history, ascension knowledge, wisdom teachings, documentaries, conspiracies, mysteries, health and fitness, conscious cooking, meditations, finance, yoga, and so much more. To start your free trial on any mobile device or computer, surf to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's Forbidden Knowledge with the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Again, visit ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today. On this week's Cosmic Cantina, due to popular demand, we venture forth into the cold tundra of the Antarctic. After going into the Earth's ever-shifting poles, I interview Billy Carson and chat about some of the amazing theories involving the South Pole. Then, Matt calls into question the tales involving Admiral Byrd's Antarctic expeditions, and Josh recounts a military insider who divulges some very mysterious military secrets. I'm your host, Melissa Tittle, and every week I go to my favorite bar, Cosmic Cantina, and kick back with my co-hosts, Josh Golombeski and Matt O'Connor. We talk about aliens, Bigfoot, ghosts, ancient cultures, and anything from the unseen world that needs a little illumination. Welcome to Cosmic Cantina. I'm your host, Melissa Tittle, and tonight... We just did a shot of Fireside Colorado Bourbon Whiskey. You can check it out on our Instagram page. We are currently not social distancing, so we're not following the rules. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we are six feet apart, so... Right now, but not none of us shot. Is, none of us has touched. <laughs> yeah. Doing a shot was wildly inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll be okay. Yeah. We'll be okay. You, you can see it on... Uh, I just put it on Instagram stories if you want to check it out. Us being silly. And, anyway. Carry on. <laughs> and, since, and since we have a lot more time, uh, because everybody's kind of working from home, we are drinking Seattle Cider's Dry Hard Cider, which is amazing. That goes great as a chaser for the Fireside Whiskey. And let me and tell you, it, folks, it's gluten-free. <laughs> okay, does anybody have any updates on the virus before we get into the show? Hell yeah. Before we jump in, we you know it's not all doom and gloom out there. There's a positive spin potentially on oh. the coronavirus. I all got right. a little light and love through a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, their wife has was on a Facebook group, blah, blah, blah. And someone who, a channeler, posted a very interesting message. A channeler who's yeah. claiming that she channeled the coronavirus. I love this so hard. That's right. <laughs> channeled the coronavirus. Apparently you can channel okay. viruses. Yeah. All right. She channeled the virus. It was a female voice and apparently she's not here to do too much harm because she's clearly doing harm, but to basically show us what's wrong with our fundamental systems and help us grow and change and evolve and, and to expand our consciousness. And, and at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen as we get through all this fire. I thought yeah, it was it's a, a very, it's a very progressive virus. <laughs> it's really wants, yeah. wants a lot of change. Yeah, it's like change. when you get a wife and she's like, by the way, all these things you've been doing are wrong. They're bad for your yeah. health. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? I don't know what to say right now. My it's, wife it's funny. Like, I, I don't feel mad at the virus now. <laughs> it, it's not being a complete asshole. Right. It's being, uh, yeah. look, I'm just changing things, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just relax. Everybody eat your broccoli. No, not that bad. Besides the economy collapsing and killing a lot of people, it's totally yeah. going well. It's but totally going well. Maybe that has to happen. I don't know. Well, anyways, it just was uh, it was just a nice, different take on the coronavirus. And yeah. Maybe it's all going to be okay, folks. That was very nice, Josh. Right. You're welcome. However, I have something <laughs> else that's a little bit apocalyptic, and it's about the poles possibly changing, Ooh. or that they have changed, Ooh. and they've changed many times. Um, so I found this article in National Geographic. It was a couple years ago when they really were discovering that magnetic north uh, was moving very fast away from the North Pole towards Siberia. Uh Um, So basically, let me explain what that means. First, there's true north, which is the northern end of the axis, which our planet turns. But our planet's protective magnetic bubble, or magnetosphere, isn't perfectly aligned with that spin. Instead, the dynamic of the Earth's core creates a magnetic field that is slightly tilted for the planet's, planet's rotational axis. So... In the mid-1900s, the North Magnetic Pole was lumbering along at less than 100 feet each day. No big deal, right? 
adding up to less than seven miles of difference each year. But in the 90s, this started to change. By um, late 90s, uh, early 2000s, Magnetic North was chugging along at some 34 miles each year. Um, so it's moving really quick. Then. It's moving really quick. So basically, they're explaining they're, they're, they're explaining that um, so where the northern, uh, where it used to be in Canada is, is basically having a tug of war with Siberia. And they've always noticed that the Canadian side was stronger. But for some reason, um, Siberia has taken over the power of the planet and it's pulling Magnetic North drastically to its side. Oh, so the Russians. So, so every time it moves, <laughs> right, they have to, yeah, exactly. Those Russians, what are they doing? <laughs> now they want the Poles? Come on. <laughs> You're so greedy. <laughs> no, we love you, Russia. Do we? This is over. We should move on immediately. And cut. <laughs> so every time it moves drastically, they have to reset all the control towers, all all the digital material, because everything is aligned to this the other point of magnetic north, and so you know everything gets wonky, right? Mm -hmm. And it's moving so fast, they're trying to figure out a different infrastructure for this. Do they know what's causing it to pull one way or the other? Well, there's definitely um, they don't. It's just that one side of the Earth is actually getting a stronger pull than the other side to it. But it has so to. So it's do, natural. It's happening naturally. It's, it's naturally, it, but it has to do with what's happening in the core of the Earth. Um, but um, another theory, the reason I bring this up is because we're going to kind of get into Atlantis. Ooh. And so a lot of theories out there are suggesting that the reason why Atlantis great civilization fell into the ocean was that there was a pole shift interesting so um this was a, a bunch of data collected by uh several different scientists um and it goes something like this so before 9700 bc the earth's magnetic poles were located the other way around so the south pole was in the atlantic near um greenland 45th meridian so then of course the north pole was um right off the antarctica coast Okay. 45th meridian. All right. So they're proposing that uh, the Earth's magnetic field was um, compacted by a solar flare of some sorts. It made a complete shift. The, it created massive earthquakes, volcano eruptions, uh, mantles and shifts were moving. Literally, the planet was like completely refunctioning itself because they, the poles switched so drastically. It's not like... You know, they're moving, you know, fast towards Russia. It was like instantly overnight, the poles had shifted. Like a complete 180 degree shift or just a massive shift? No, a complete 180 degree shift. Wow. That's crazy. Which caused all these different everything. land masses to move. Right? Yeah, of course. So, um... So the I say, I, of course, like, like I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of science, bro. Oh, yeah. In your past that, life. Yeah. You remember that? In Atlantis? Oh, yeah. I was in technology <laughs> and science for, as you know, a Syrian a couple thousand lifetimes ago. I know this shit. That's right. Pleiades, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just slinging alien vids. We met. Yeah. Anyway, so pole shift, complete utter reversal pole yeah. shift. Complete utterly reversal. Madness, yeah. Uh, complete madness. So. Uh, I bring this up because a lot of people that have been following our podcast have brought up, can you do something on Antarctica? And I know we could do anything on Antarctica, but I really wanted to talk about mm -hmm. what is Antarctica, like what does it represent? Because there's all these theories out there. Like there's secret bases, maybe there's alien beings. It really I don't know. has like exploded recently in, yeah. in this scene. It's like an obsession. Yeah. And it, I don't want to mention names again, but there was a, a couple of prominent people who really tried to push this idea of it being like these huge, like crazy bases with aliens in there. And, and I'm not saying that's not true, but it doesn't sound true. But I, but the truth might be somewhere in between. It might yeah. be somewhere in between. Yeah, but, but it might be it somewhere just, in between. So it just got this huge amount of attention recently. And I don't know why that is. It was, maybe it was just... Uh, I mean, I don't know, uh, Linda Moulton Howe has been, like, huge into it, and a lot of people Yeah, have. she did a documentary yeah. about it. Buzz Aldrin. Um, is that the right guy? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Buzz Lightyear. God, I always say it wrong. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Aldrin Buzz had that Lightyear. tweet that may or may not be true, <laughs> that he was like, I saw evil and I saw evil itself, and there was a shot of a pyramid, but it turned out to be bullshit, the tweet. Everyone oh. got all hot and bothered by it, because John Kerry went down to the Antarctica, and they sent a bunch of, like, yeah, which, right, why yeah. would they ever summon that high up in the chain of yeah. government command down there, and then Buzz Aldrin went down there, and right. I don't know. Well, there's been a lot of people that go down. So the thing is, is like, I think that because there's so much buzz, there has to be something going on. Sure. So um, I interviewed this guy named Billy Carson. Billy! 
and if you don't know who Billy is, um, he's the founder of ForbiddenKnowledge.inc. He's best-selling author of the Emerald Tablets, and he's also an expert host on Deep Space on Gaia and Ancient Civilizations, if you watch those series. Um, he's also a co-founder of the United Family of Anomaly Hunters. Um, their and just purpose, an all-round great guy, to I know. be honest. He, he just knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, their mission is to provide evidence of past, present life on Earth, as well as other celestial bodies inside of our solar system. So that's Billy Carson. I did this interview with him about Antarctica, and what he alludes to is that Antarctica used to be in a different place, completely different than when you think where uh-huh. you think it might be. It's not attached to South America, um, and and it, this ha- this shift happened where Antarctica is now because of the pole shift. But his view is that what you're going to find there is going to prove that Atlantis did exist, and that is why so many people are there. So he, check out this interview. When you look at ancient history and you discover that the Atlanteans were a global civilization, you become to realize that there may be remnants of that civilization uh, under ice. And the reason why is because Antarctica most likely was in a different place geologically on the planet Earth. Uh, and I'm estimating that it moved there because of a, uh, a pole shift of the crust of the planet of Earth itself which would have caused the crust to shift for it to shift into that position very rapidly and then for a global flood to occur, which would have put water above it. And in that frozen or cold area, cold region, it would have definitely um, created gigantic ice sheets over what was there, kind of hiding it. And this is why when we look at the, um, the animals that, that you know, get discovered now due to a lot of the ice melting, they have fresh, undigested food in their stomachs, which means that they were rapidly frozen uh, and, and that uh, this shift happened at a, in a very rapid pace. So when you look at Antarctica itself and you start researching, you know, what's there, you begin to realize that there's about 70 bases, research bases is what they call them, and in Antarctica. Uh, so you have about 23 countries or so that are representing every continent on the planet Earth that are there right now in Antarctica doing a lot of research. And why would they be there doing this research? Because they have found what a lot of researchers, you know, out here just on through the Internet and through uh, Google Sky and Google Earth and everything else have found. They found remnants of an ancient civilization there, I believe. I believe the same reason why Hitler was, uh, you know, so enthralled about Antarctica and the Nazis. Uh, I think that there's things down there that are anomalies and that don't belong I think remnants of ancient technology are down there and remnants of the ancient Atlantean civilization as well. And where do you think the continent of Antarctica, uh, where do you think it was actually, um, uh, where would you, was it actually placed? You said that it, it shifted from somewhere else. Was it, was it further up close to the Azores or was it closer to South America? Like what, what is your, your thought process on that? Yeah, I think that it was possibly uh, closer maybe to the Azores, um, uh, definitely in a warmer region where there would have been uh, maybe a, at least four seasons of the year, not just this you know permanent frost. Um, and one of the things that's really amazing is one of our researchers at the United Family of Anomaly Hunters um, actually discovered the the pyramid first. He was the very first person to actually discover it and bring out the gigantic pyramid that's there uh, in Antarctica, which made it onto an episode of Ancient Aliens and a a couple of other shows as well. Uh, So this structure, this pyramid structure, is larger than the one at Giza. So the Giza pyramid is pretty large, but this is about twice as large as that one. Crazy. So um, how do you have evidence of that, of what this this in Antarctica... Uh, looks like well you can thankfully we have the google sky images which Mm -hmm. uh gives us access to see not only the anomalies that are there including the 35 wide meter wide opening that's that all the research bases are right next to (laughs) but also this gigantic pyramid which is also pretty close to them as well uh which is to me pretty astounding and uh i think there's a possibility I'm not for sure, but there's a possibility that we may be in contact with some of these potential beings that are there. Because I remember when um, Buzz Aldrin was invited to go down there, a lot of world leaders world leaders went down there as well. 
And Buzz Aldrin made a very cryptic tweet about ultimate evil, something that was we were facing an ultimate evil. Then, well, he deleted it later, but a lot of people had already screenshotted it by then. And then they rushed him out of there and said he wasn't feeling too well. So <laughs> I think there's something really going on down there that really, you know, I'd love to be able to go down there and see exactly what they saw. Why would world leaders want to go to Antarctica? And why would Buzz Aldrin make a tweet like that? Something is really going on. And we're not being it's not being, you know, being made uh, uh, open to the general pop- population, as well as these gigantic openings that you can see from Google Earth that are just magnificent artificially created openings, where do they lead to and why are they there? Right. And so you think that there's actually beans still in those pyramids, even though they're buried in snow and ice, or are there beans coming down to make contact with the world leaders at this old kind of ceremonial ground? It could be a combination. Uh, One thing I do believe is that these openings lead to some type of a inner earth area now, I don't believe that the earth is completely hollow on the inside like some people like, you know, I believe that there is, there are some massive openings. I mean, the planet earth is really massive. I don't know if people can really grasp how big this planet is, but it's, it's pretty massive. It's a decent sized planet. And it does, we're, we're on the surface. We're like little tiny grains of sand on the surface. When you think of the mass of the earth itself, if you were able to just carve out even a, a 20 or 30 mile deep swath underneath the surface of the earth you can and and go on for maybe you know 40 or 50 miles you can probably fit a few million people down there so i do believe that there's potentially a base that these visitors i'll call them that for not knowing who they really are that come here uh that have been seen in a lot of the iss photos and videos and everything else i think that they have maybe potentially still inhabit these bases or maybe they don't even come from outer space maybe they are ancestors of the progenitors that had left them here Maybe they're, this is where they take off from and come back to, and that's why we see them all the time. Uh, maybe they're just, you know, inner Earth type beings. You know, the, the, it's a lot of question marks. You know, we really don't know. But one thing I can tell you, in October of 2017, uh, I did another class uh, with remote viewing with uh, Major Ed Dames. Now, he says that so according to him, his exact terms, his, his exact phrase was that there's a, a base there. And that these beings, they come and they go as they please and they communicate with the governments of the world. So is it accurate or not? I don't know. But that's a quote from him. Uh, And all I can go by is, you know, add up the UFO sightings in the area, add up the history that we have with the Nazis and everything else. Um, You know, 70 permanent research stations directly located there right around these anomalies. And of course, Rothschild and Rockefeller, the Rockefeller Foundation has their own research base down there as well. And they own Swabia. Yeah, so that's interesting stuff. You know what I when you Google when you try to um, Google that one the tip of the pyramid, everyone says this could be a pyramid because it's mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's got four sides and it's so exact uh, in Antarctica. And you pull out it's literally named. I thought this was really creepy. Temple of One. Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? Do you know what that means? Because I tried to Google it and I couldn't find anything. What is the Temple of One? And why does it you know, say that? I don't know what it specifically means, but I almost kind of related to the Law of One, uh, which is a which is a book that you know that is out that has to do with a lot of these ancient esoteric wisdom teachings. Um, and it could be that uh, it relates back to what Thoth talked about in the Emerald Tablets of uh, you know, that he wrote, uh, and when he was talking about these kings and these rulers and. There were eight of them around the planet. That could be the temple of one. That could be the location for one of these kings or gods or rulers at that particular time uh, in the antediluvial time period. Fascinating. Yeah. And um, what is your what is your take on why the world leaders are like why they're all? I mean, maybe they just want to talk to alien beings if that's true. If they're really coming down there to speak to the world leaders, but do you think? They are advising them on some other kind of Atlanta situation that that might be happening in the future. You know, I hate to go into apocalyptic fear here, but is it is it is this a place where they are getting information on what to do next with with Earth? It's possible. I mean, so many possibilities could be happening there. They could be learning about uh, ancient history as well as advanced technologies. They could be. It could be that there are no aliens or any 
other terrestrial beings there outside of us and that we've just stumbled across a lot of this stuff that's now coming up out of the ice and are getting it, digging it up, researching it, and maybe even trying to reverse engineer some of it. Maybe we're trying to find out what the catastrophe was and how we can prevent it from coming again. Uh, Because, you know, these catastrophes happen so many thousands of years. Maybe we're overdue and maybe they're trying to prevent one. Uh, You know, it's just so many possibilities that are out there as to what could be going on down there. Um, But I do know that what's going on, in my personal opinion, is directly tied to the ancient past and, in my opinion, uh, a lot of the UFO sightings that we're seeing on a consistent basis now even admitted by the Pentagon. Woo, that was good. God, he's so good. You know that guy fucks, right? <laughs> that dude. <laughs> I love Big Dick Philly. He's got such like, awesome information. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's so good. But, 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 Matt, you have a different take. Wait, before you give your take, son, I just want to let everyone yes. know that I have an amazing first-person story about a dude who witnessed a bunch of crazy shit in Antarctica that backs up everything Billy is saying. But I know first we got to go over a little history and a little interesting stuff from the mm-hmm. past. It's going to play all into this big picture. Some's bullshit, some's not. Who knows what's going to happen next? <laughs> and now for the non-bullshit section called Matt O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what we can say non-bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, look, I my favorite stories um, that came out of uh, Antarctica that kind of always blew my mind was the <clears throat> the whole Admiral Byrd story, where he was so Admiral Byrd was a, a Navy admiral. Um, who did several expeditions. He went to the, the North Pole um, uh, and he flew you know, a plane back and forth and he was like this, like just badass. He was crazy. Yeah, yeah. He used to do all these crazy expeditions. Probably had a powerful, thick mustache. Uh, no, I don't think he did. Oh, okay. I think, it was cl- I think he, he had a, uh, a haircut you could set your watch to. Oh. Just clean cut. No, I don't like uh, this visual, but okay. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to stick with mine. Very military guy, but um, <laughs> That's fine. super interesting, interesting dude. <laughs> But he did... Uh, so you're not under his hair. Okay, <laughs> got yeah. it. Back in 46, 46, uh, he did this um, Operation High Jump, it was called, uh, where he uh, led this expedition into Antarctica. And it was basically all about like, these Navy operations and they were just exploring the place and um, you know trying to map out... Um, the geography of the area and also like test the uh, weather capabilities of, of their gear you know this was the official story looking for the Nazis so this Very, is real yeah right this is a conspiracy he really went down he is a real deal yeah so he went over there and um, found a bunch of amazing stuff and he was saying like this is like the next frontier and we gotta build a base there and he believed that um you know there was a danger of uh the Americans not um, sort of taking control of the land, but there was a lot of scientific study to be done there. There was a lot of natural resources that could be yeah. uh, mined there. And at the moment, I think there's a huge like treaty there. Like, you, it's is it a neutral zone, or there's like different areas that are owned by different. There's different research. Run by different. Yeah, yeah there's, there's different research, research stations, but but like there's United no States, China, Russia. like there's no drilling allowed there. Um, I don't know. They have all these these rules in place right now, so it's like it's not owned by anyone in particular, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of there's a neutral zone where there's basically scientific study going on. Anyway, so um, so I was trying to find. There's this whole conspiracy where he supposedly had the secret diary, where he uh, exposed that um, dear diary. Dear diary. Today was a lovely day. He <laughs> so he came across apparently during his expedition this valley. A lush valley that was in this mountain range that he went through hmm. and it was like forested and there was like a stream running through that was like warm water and it was pumping steam into the air and stuff and it was just like like Jules like, Verne type stuff like yeah I was like this shouldn't be here you know that's weird and, and as he was going through the valley he saw like woolly mammoths were going through there and there was like uh, flying saucers you know rushing past him and stuff uh, and then Wait, were, I'm confused like in my high school prom so it was a valley that was <laughs> Like lush in summary in the middle of in the middle of Antarctica. Yeah, so in the middle of this valley, this wait. What happened in high school? (laughs) Yeah, what happened? What happened? I don't even go to. I don't even know. I I was saying. Yeah, I mean this Antarctic story is great. But let's go back to your. It's a very confusing night. (laughs) Okay. 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 All right. Uh, Anyway, so he was um, greeted apparently (laughs) by a group of men. They just say a group of men came to meet him. Um, They didn't give much of a description of what they looked like. 
but several men uh, came to take him and they took him to their leader who they called the master. Take me to your leader. Yeah. <laughs> Is this what it was like on prom night? <laughs> <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> uh, a lot of apologizing. Yeah, a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of saying sorry. Yeah. All right. A lot of conversations with the police. <clears throat> So these guys took Admiral Byrd and, and his men to their, to their master, apparently. And the master basically said to him, um, you know, we don't get involved with you uh, earth people, human people, um, hmm. in your lives very much. But after the bombs were dropped in World War II in Japan, and we realized you had um, atomic energy and, and the, um, you were able to use atomic weapons hmm. we decided we had to step in and say knock it the fuck off basically it was what this guy's huh. message okay. was so it's very uh, so reminiscent you- of a lot of like abductees saying hey yeah. we're warning against you humans yeah. using yeah similar message atomic right. uh, weapons and stuff always uh, in bases in wartime situations yep right yeah mm-hmm. um but basically, I tried to like find where all this like amazing stories, where all they came from, um, because I, it's not on Wikipedia. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, well, then it can't be real. Yeah, and, and so I was trying to like track down where it came from, and um, I came across an article from Micah Hanks, who runs the Graylian Report. Great writer, really um, uh, smart guy. Does a podcast as well. Anyway. Uh, he basically wrote this whole article calling into question the, the validity of these whole these claims altogether because it really just sort of came from this one guy's book uh, and he's, uh, the author of the book was Raymond W. Bernard um, hmm. which was a pseudonym for the real guy who was Walter uh, Siegmaster Siegmaster? Meister? Don't, yeah, I trust yeah. you. Don't let okay. me pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the the uh, the, um, the title of this book was "The Hollow Earth: uh, The Greatest Geographical Discovery in History Made by Admiral Richard E. Byrd." Um, and basically, this guy kind of lays out that he came across somehow the secret diary of Admiral Byrd, and here's what he laid out in this diary. And uh, that's really the only <laughs> place where this, these crazy stories come from. And so Micah Hanks in this article basically says, look, this is just, it comes from one place. It's completely unverified. It's just a story told from, a, from someone else. Um, there's nothing really backing it up at all. Um, Admiral Byrd never said anything remotely like this in, in any sort of uh, interview ever. And he was interviewed a bunch of times. You can find heaps of footage on the But what line. about the diary? Anybody find the diary? This guy no, there was it? no, this guy just wrote about it in a book. No one. Huh. Like, so he, he, he might not even had a diary. No. It, I, or if he did, it was like about like. It sounds some, like he just kind of. Some chick he broke up with like in his 20s. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of projection, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay, man? Antarctica. Uh, the whole world's wrong, gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, there didn't seem to be a lot to this, which is super disappointing because I was so. Like. Um, yeah, that's. I, I love so that story. story. Yeah. But, you know, he did kind of warn, there was like, I think there was a lot of things that people kind of attributed to this whole story that kind of got blown out of proportion, because he kind of warned that the North and South Pole would be prime areas for enemies to kind of fly over from, rather than across, Mm -hmm. you know, the ocean where they would usually fly, they could come over from the poles. He did have this uh, newspaper article where he sort of talked about this. That was legit, but everything else just seemed to come from out of nowhere. Um, but Micah does mention in his article that uh, a friend of his, and he doesn't mention who, just says uh, anonymous friend, uh, said that one of his family members uh, back in back in the day was one of the um, people who were on the expedition with Admiral Byrd, mm-hmm. and that they had come across this group of people with blue skin and there was flying saucers and stuff and it was just like another anecdote that was just kind of out of nowhere yeah so uh, as much as um, I'd love to Bird, pass those off as truth that's like half my yeah thing. and like this stuff you know it's on ancient aliens and you know people mention like oh Admiral Bird saw this but it's never 
There's not actually any evidence to show that he actually said any of this. We gotta be careful, people. I know. Yeah. There's real shit out there. <laughs> yeah, and I, and not saying that nothing in Antarctica was, you know, crazy, and there's not like some. But this is like the only legit there, guy that had gone down there, and they they're probably just saying they're probably just thinking he had to see something. Right. Right. right because yeah. it it was right after the atomic bomb was dropped. Um, right after we defeated the Nazis, so we know that they were down there. There was a UFO wave going on at that time. There was a UFO wave going. He had to see something. So I think that that, like, why would he be doing this mission yeah. after the war? And there was weird things that happened. So um, I think the expedition, the um, the government shut it down six months early, earlier than it was supposed to um finish up so a lot of people saying like oh that was because he found all this stuff and the government when he went back to brief uh, the president on what he saw they were like oh fuck it shut it down hmm. and so there was like weird stuff where they did shut it down early but I think there was there was an official story for that as well but I don't know. Interesting. Again, well, they just were, based they on were better at that time uh, during that time of shutting down interviews like reporters wouldn't push it right they worked in conjunction they with the They worked in conjunction they with the good government. They were good citizens. Good they were like, okay, I'll stop reporting now. You know, I won't I won't take a serious, you know, I won't listen to this. But that's not the case now. Because so. the media completely stays out of government affairs now. Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anywho, that's an interesting story. Yeah. I'd like to, you know, follow up with the fact that just because that's not real doesn't mean there's something going on in Antarctica. Right. I came mm -hmm. across an awesome first-person story of a person who's highly credible, highly credible, clearly knows what he's talking about, that goes into realistic stories of things that went down there. Everything from, I would say realistic, I would say paranormal or high strangeness that went down there. He was a pilot yeah. uh, in Antarctica for about a decade who witnessed silver discs in the sky multiple times, a a giant mysterious black hole right next to the South Pole, which was really interesting. And also, he was involved mm. in an incident with a bunch of scientists went missing, and then he found them. Wow. We'll get to it right after the break. Yes. All right, Josh, tell us Ooh. your stories. Well, I came across something awesome in the deep, deep bowels of the internet. So this story will help <laughs> add maybe evidence, uh, cooperation, or something to what Billy was saying in the interview. It's an interesting first-person account of crazy shit going down in San... In San I almost said Santa Monica, where I used to live. Crazy stuff going <laughs> crazy down Crazy shit is going down in Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Damn. All right, here we go. So Linda Moulton Howe did an interview a couple years ago with a naval officer who witnessed multiple things as I described. Discs, a crazy giant black hole, and missing scientists. All three stories are amazing in their own right. Did this guy, is he le legit, did he give a name or did he remain anonymous? He, he's kind of anonymous. So his name is Brian, in quotes, S. So his last name would be S. He's in his 60s and he used to work He used to work for the Navy. Let's, uh, just, the call, he, let's just call him BS for now. Let's call him BS. Damn, <laughs> dude, look at that. Good job. Nice, dude. Witty. Okay, wait, before we Shit, go down that path. This whole thing sucks now. <laughs> no, this Lit, guy's legit. Linda okay. Moulton Howe only does legit interviews. For yeah. real. I mean, she, she does most of the time. There's some interviews, I would say, of some people that I would not say are credible. Yeah. However, most of her stuff is, is she vets pretty highly. I, I, I agree. There's a lot. There's a lot of people who criticize her, and I, and I see your face over there, Matt O'Connor. But overall, <laughs> if you're in this space and you're looking for this type of stuff, every once in a while, you're gonna get a couple people who are trick you into thinking you're telling the truth. So, oh. right. Do you want to say something, Matt? Before no, we go, no. I on? just said, look, she has done some amazing stuff before. Her her work into the cattle mutilation stuff was like, I mean, it won some awards, right? It was like, yeah, crazy good. So. Yeah, but like because of that, she gets really prestigious interviews, and she always protects people. Like she's, sure, yeah, yeah. she's very like she says, let me do an interview with you, but I'll protect who you are. And she's very uh, she she never gives away her sources. She's a little bit like Watergate with Linda Moulton Howe. All right. Linda Moulton Howe. You got three right. first names. It sounds like. All right. I'm listening. All right. Fine. <laughs> All right. Let's get, here we go. This is going to be an awesome story. So this guy, Brian, worked on a crew that flew a C-130, a giant cargo kind of plane around Antarctica. He it. it, it 
transported cargo and passengers, a lot of scientists and crew. Everywhere they went, they go drop off scientists and food, they bring back trash. They did a lot of trash runs too. All over Antarctica for like hmm. many years in the 80s and the early 90s, this one's all takes place. This guy named was Brian quotes S. I'm not even sure if that's real. BS, okay. But the way, if you listen to the entire, I listened to this entire interview with this guy and he clearly had that job. So the credibility that this guy actually worked for the Navy flew down in Antarctica and actually Oh, so had it's a, like an audio interview. Yeah, it's a long two, a two hour audio interview where he yeah, really man. describes okay. it almost annoyingly right. where he goes no, to, I'm, I'm on board. He goes into details where you're almost bored. You're kind of like, okay, stop talking the pre-step, you know, the, the checks you do before you fly off. Like, I don't care about your plane. Like, you know what I mean? He had so many details that it was beyond yeah. a reasonable doubt that's what he did. Okay. Right. Uh, whether he saw what, he, what I'm about to explain is a different story, but it's really, I think he's credible and I think the whole thing is legit. And also, these stories are amazing, but they're on the edge of something so spectacular that it's hard to believe, you know? It's not just like, mm -hmm. I saw an E.T. alien with a chainsaw and a bikini, you know, like chasing after pigs, you know, like nothing like that happened. What? That happened? Class classic <laughs> tale. That one. Yeah. I'm gullible, sorry. Okay, go ahead. So here we go. So before, I'm not going to get into the silver disc stories. I'm just going to briefly do this. So he, multiple occasions, saw multiple silver discs in the sky. Okay. In his flights, he went to South Pole about 300 times. And he, from the coast, and did different stations all around Antarctica. They're all mm. over the place. He would fly to the middle. At multiple times, they witnessed as a crew, the, all of them, uh, multiple silver discs in the sky. And they always seemed to like, sometimes they seemed like to track them for a long time, but they never like broke a territorial line which is interesting. So like they never get close, but they, they witnessed it multiple times. It was always obviously an exciting moment. All the crews used to talk about this, how they see things and weird things and other weird things all the time. Over so, Antarctica. Over Antarctica. All this is in Antarctica. So the first story I want to talk about, I call the big gap. This is really fascinating. So... <laughs> Not, don't not <laughs> no, I didn't say anything. I'm, I'm listening. I was purposely trying to get a rise out of you. <laughs> so the big gap. Uh, All right. This plane, so this plane's crew on the C-130 are flying a mission. They're flying between two parts in Antarctica doing a mission. They get a call from whoever coordinates all this. And they're saying there's a critically injured person at the South Pole. You need to go get him. They're like, okay, let's go, let's go get him. And they immediately notice that there's a no-fly zone that they always had to fly around when they're doing normal missions near mm -hmm. the South Pole, and they'll never go through it. But they realize if they go through it right now, they can get to this critically injured person like right away. So they decide as a crew, without really confirming with the base or whoever's in control, like we're just going to cut through to get this guy. So they cut through. And when they're cutting through, it's still, it goes directly to the South Pole. And the reason why they can't fly over that place is because there was a... It's, the no-fly zone was an air sampling station. That was the official excuse, an air sampling station. I don't even know what that means, but apparently if planes fly over it with their exhaust and fumes, it could mess up with yeah. their sample. Okay, so they're just kind of testing the... the Atmosphere. Yeah, the toxins in the sky and all that sort of stuff. All yeah, right. you know, science. Cool. So they, fly science. so they fly over, and they notice there's no station. And they look down, and they're about 22,000 feet up, and the station's about 12,000 feet. The intercar is actually very high up, and most people don't realize that. And they look down, and there's no station there, but a giant football stadium-sized black hole that goes deep into the ground. And they're staring at it, and it looks like it doesn't. There's nothing around it necessarily, but what they noticed immediately was there were snow plows or snow cats, the ones that make the trails up in the Arctic, the ones that have those big, big uh -huh. wheels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clearly making a path from this giant hole to the South Pole Station. Okay. Which is really bizarre. So mm -hmm. they, they, they fly over it, and there's nothing else really they can tell other than it looks like you can kind of get into it, and, and, but there's no structure necessarily. Is it like a man-made black don't hole? Or? They don't know, but there's supposed to be a, a station there above ground that doesn't look anything like a giant hole. This, this station's not supposed to be underground. So why would they say there's a station there? You can't fly over it, and they fly over it. There's no station, but a giant football field-wide wow. hole. So they fly through, and they land at South Pole, get this critically injured person. And they, and they fly out. The radio, the base who controls them says, hey, fly around it. Don't go, don't, what are you doing? Don't fly near that again. So they actually go around it and divert kind of, uh, so they don't fly over it again. So the first time they flew directly over the top of it? Is yeah, saying? like near it, like where they angle, they could see from their window down at it. They, yeah. saw, they had a clear view of it. Right. On the way out, they were kind of flying close to it and even, and they couldn't really see it anymore, but the, the people who were controlling them said, get way away, get away away. Yeah. So they land, they drop off the critical person. They're actually not thinking much of it. They're not like, well, that was weird because uh, there wasn't like ships coming out of it. There was nothing super bizarre. Yeah. So they land and immediately two guys they've never seen before take them to a room, get them all in the room and say, never talk about this again. You're not allowed to ever talk about this again. This didn't happen. You didn't see a giant, giant gap he in the ground. certainly didn't heed that warning, did he? Right. Wow. He, he, well, they never signed a non-disclosure. That's why he came forward about it. That's what he okay. says. They never signed And it was back anything. in the 80s, right? Back in the 80s. And they were yeah. like, okay, we won't talk about it. We didn't really think anything weird's going on. 
So the so they after that incident they kind of talked uh, to other era, you know, like other people who had other crews and a, apparently a lot of people have seen other giant holes in the ground all around Antarctica. Really? Which is crazy. They only saw that one hole near South Pole, uh, but apparently people have seen other holes all over the place. So that was one story that was interesting. I want to read a comment that I found um, below Bef- the before YouTube. you do that that kind of. It lines up with one of the things that was attributed to uh, Admiral Byrd saying that a um, he believed that enemy ships could fly through the center of the earth pole to pole. And that would be a really quick way of coming around a country and being able to attack huh. was one of the, you know, crazy elements of his conspiracy story that he apparently said, but again, was part of that whole... No, who knows? It could, it could be exactly that. Yeah. So I found an awesome, just before I go into the next story, which is really cool, I just found an awesome uh, comment from someone on YouTube who watched this interview from Elena Seward, S-E-W-A-R-D. It goes on for a little bit, but he talks about how he was a kid at a barbecue with his uncle and he they were using fireworks and said that oh man this firework kind of looks like an alien ship like something in the sky kind of looked crazy Hmm. and his uncle immediately who's a sober guy who's never talked about it immediately got real serious and said the following thing all right this is what the guy said this is just fun this is a tangential anecdotal story but i think it adds to it so this is a video about a guy claiming things in in our car crazy and now this is his uncle who said I knew Dad said something about him doing dangerous work in Antarctica in World War II, but this really freaked me out as he didn't drink and was not the type to come out with shit like this, and the most scary part was when he said at the end, the bases were there for thousands of years under our noses and were primitive to see. Fascinating. So he, this is anecdotal evidence that, you know, someone else was down there in Antarctica and came across this stuff. It's like a previous civilization? I don't know, thousands of years. So is it alien? Is it a previous civil? Here's the deal. I'm going to get to another story for a second, but one thing that's interesting about this is, okay, what's the connection here? It's an old-ass infrastructure from Atlantis, right? Mm -hmm. That multiple things could be happening. Could be, right? Mm -hmm. Aliens could be in it. E.T. could be there using it as bases after the fact. So it might have been human and then adopted by aliens, and then we found the aliens there and all got together. So it's confusing. It's not as easy as like it's an alien base. Big party. Yeah, it's old human base, old human infrastructure with aliens and us possibly working together. But anyways, let me move on to the next story. It's awesome. This is the missing scientist uh, story. I call this the petrified scientist, a.k.a. The Thing. So this reminds me of the movie The Thing. Okay, this is cool. So So I, just to briefly jump in, this maybe this Antarctica thing, like it was a it was a storyline within the whole X Files mythology. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we know like Chris Carter, who who uh, created the X Files. There's all this talk about him being connected to intelligence services and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was what, what did you just mention? The thing was another. Antarctic. Yeah, I love the movie The Thing. So the Thing is one of my top 20 favorite movies of all time. Yeah. The first one. I like the second one that was done recently, but the one in the 80s always defined like, my, yeah. my mythos. Well, there's one before that, too, actually. Oh, really? Black yeah. and white one, yeah. Yeah, like there's one the before six, that, too, you late know. 60s? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, but I know it's like, that. <laughs> Yeah, it is like, uh, it's. I mean, it is one of those places that we haven't really officially like explored very much. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, like, the, it's like we, the Amazon. You're not allowed to fly over it. There's all these restrictions about going there. Yeah, like why? Um, yeah. So I think it just fascinates us in general. But but go on. Yeah. All right. So this is a cool story that ends interestingly. Okay. So Brian S. BS. <laughs> uh, yep. BS. BS. It was at a place called McBurdy, and they flew a bunch of scientists out with equipment to a location called uh, Marine Bird One. It's an area. There's like a structures there. There's place to live. There's a and they brought their equipment out there. So they, they drop them off. They wheel their stuff out and they leave. Every day, uh, that station has to check in with another station. So every 24 hours, they check in to make sure everything's okay because of extreme weather. And it's obviously in Antarctica. It's hard to live there. Right. About a week into it, they stop responding. Three <gasps> days go by. They're like, "All right, Brian, your crew is gonna go out there and see what's going on." So oh. Brian and his crew flew out there. They landed. And they look around. All the snowmobiles are there, but nobody's there. Everything's there. The equipment, the snowmobiles, everything they dropped off. It's not like the movie Aliens where there's like, you know, a half-eaten donut and like a cigarette still like, you know, somehow yeah. like... Like <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. Something just came. Yeah. But clearly people were there, but there's no one there and everything's there. So it's not like they left and, and, and walked off. Yeah. So they just left and reported no one's there. I don't know what's going on. Uh, about a week goes by. 
they get a, Brian gets a call again. Apparently, the scientists are there or they're back, and they're requesting immediate evac. <gasps> Brian gets the crew. They get on the plane. They immediately go there. They land. The sci- when, as they're flying in, they notice that the scientists are 100% ready to go. They're out in the ice already. All their gear, all the equipment, everything, let's go. They land the plane. The scientists don't even say anything. They, they all run on the plane and sit down immediately while the crew, because these, these crews in these big planes, there's multiple people and they have to do shit. And they have to bring in the equipment. They bring in the equipment and they start trying to talk to the scientists as they take off. No one will say anything. They won't even talk to them. Not even like, oh, I can't say anything. I don't know what happened. I, I'm not allowed to talk. Just pure terror. Silent. Like PTSD, shock, can't talk. Something crazy went down. Whoa. They won't talk to them. So the whole flight, they won't talk. They tried multiple times. These people will not talk to them. They land the plane. Interestingly enough, the people won't get off the plane at first. They're just such shocked that like, they don't even know what to do. So they had to like literally be like, okay, it's time for you to get off. You get off now. The equipment was immediately taken in quarantine, which like, never happens there, which is bizarre. And they didn't know what, what that meant. And then one plane took the equipment off and went to New Zealand, where is it like with one of the drop-off points? Yeah, it's one of the closest. And this plane only had that equipment on it, which never happens because up That's there very you have expensive. to be yes, you have to be super efficient up there. Mm-hmm. So they would never do that. Really, really weird. There's a rumor that the equipment eventually landed at Wright Pat Air Force Base, which is famous for taking on alien and yeah. fringe right. and crazy technology. Right. So there's no good ending to the story. There's not like a rumor that says they were working with aliens or they got abducted or the tech they were working on ended up interacting with the aliens didn't know it. There's nothing really to say more about that other than that. But it's, it's just intriguing as fuck. Why were they so scared? Yeah. I mean, like what happened and why was that technology taken off? And with everything else going on up there, clearly it was either something bizarre that the U.S. government was just working on or it was connected to the larger picture of what's happening in Antarctica. So See, here's, here's what I like about this guy so far. We haven't we haven't finished them all, but this guy's story is nothing's yes. like overly like oh yeah, and then it was like a race of reptilians that had like yes, that's why I like it crazy colony down there. Right, it's taking, just like a mysterious like something's off. Yeah, like yes. something's, not, something's right. not right there, or something is yeah mysterious enough where they're not telling people and yeah. No, like it's sure. not a hugely fabricated Star Wars type story. It's like that's why I knew you'd like it because it, it's, it doesn't smell like bullshit, yeah. even though the guy's initials are BS. I'm right? Like, I wonder if that's a fucking metaphor. <laughs> yeah. God damn it! How ironic! <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> so again, they were taken to the same room, the crew, the uh-huh. same room they went to years ago when they got questioned about the giant black hole, and they went to this room, and two new guys showed up. One was very stern, one was more affable, which was a weird detail. And the stern guy was <laughs> like, you, jolly, didn't, jolly you, didn't see, "You didn't see this. This never happened." Uh, no scientists disappeared. You didn't pick them up. They weren't missing. Everything's fine. Didn't sign a non-disclosure, and they went on their way. So the conclusion of the story isn't the scientists, because I don't know, and no one knows. What the conclusion is, is this guy Brian met Linda Moulton Howe at Contacting the Desert a few years ago, and they were talking at a restaurant and outside later that night under a tree, just chatting about all these things and the missing scientists. Sharing a cigarette. Yeah, sharing a cigarette. Sharing a cigarette. <laughs> Stuff. I don't know why. <laughs> Linda, it was uh, Brian and his nephew, and I guess someone, other people there. There's a bunch of people there, and apparently, two days later, Brian was home and got a call. It hasn't had any contact with anyone from the government in a long time, and this call went something like this: uh, "I know you've been talking about this. We know you were at a restaurant recently. We know you talked about it outside. We are the people I'm associated with. Do not want you talking about the missing scientists anymore. You should not talk about it, and it'd be better if you didn't." And just hung up. The number was from Maryland, roughly the region where the NSA is. They say wow. that those those conferences contacting the desert. I don't know what are some of the other ones. Um, Whatever. Oh, yeah. But it's it, they say that there's intelligence officials just hanging around, just seeing what comes up. You know, just kind of monitoring things. Of course, Linda would have a tail then, because Linda's yeah. been in the space for a long time. Right. They, she, they know that any good information might end up in her. In her world, her view, in her bubble. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they probably were, like, tracking her. But they were both shocked because there was no way anyone could have been tracking them. They were clearly by themselves. There was no cars around. Like, how do they know? And yeah. the person kept saying, like, we know everything. We know what happened then. We know what happened now. We can know, we know anything. So apparently the NSA obviously can get into anyone's phone or anything and just yeah. monitor what the fuck you're doing. Damn. So that's how the story ends is, anyways, I just thought this was interesting anecdotal evidence that what Billy is saying and what we're talking about in Antarctica could be true. And this guy is, if you listen to it, and I'll post it on the webpage, on the Facebook page, so you can listen to it. it. The guy clearly was 
a pilot or part of a crew that was doing this. And the level of detail and the sobriety in which he tells the story is really interesting. He goes into a worldview of like, yes, there's a lot of rumors apparently in Antarctica and they all talk about there's an ET in human bases all around Antarctica and they're working together and there's multiple different races with multiple different agendas. It's not as simple as like one race working with an aliens. Here's the greys and here's the humans and working yeah. together. There's multiple things going on. It's really complex. And that, yes, that, that Antarctica was clearly dry and not full of ice a long time ago. Right. And as um, Billy said, it, it possibly was attached to the Azores where yeah. this supposedly... My people. I'm Portuguese. That's my people. Where there's a lot of evidence that if there was an Atlantis, that's where it would have been. Right? Yeah. So the pole shifted, moved down to where it is now, Antarctica, but it still had all this technology. And so it has attracted, as according to Billy, and according to some of your sources, um, a lot of um, alien and human activity. Because there's a presence from every country there. And I don't know if you remember in the interview, I looked up where they thought that pyramid was. Mm-hmm. And you pull out from it on Google, and it says Temple of One. And I'm like, what is Temple of One? <laughs> what is that? In the middle of the snow. Like yeah. a tiny little cap that looks like a pyramid. Yeah. And you, and you, can't, you can't find it. There's no such thing as Temple of God, one. it's just so weird, the pyramid thing. Like, there's pyramids on Mars. There's pyramids all around our planet. Like, the pyramid mystery could solve everything we're talking about. It could right. be the connecting factor to everything that's happening. Totally. 100%. Well, we could totally go on this forever, but I just wanted to do a deep dive in Antarctica because we had some people reach out and said, hey, will you guys do a piece on Antarctica? So we did with lots of whiskey. So this is for you. Yeah, please keep doing that. Um, if you want to jump on either our Facebook or our Instagram or wherever you want and just uh, ask, what do you guys want to hear? What do you want to uh, want us to dive into? Yeah. It's a brief dive, but, uh, you know, yeah. we'd no. love to talk about We listen stuff, to you guys. So, yeah. Yeah. so thanks yeah. for being our fans and listening. Yeah. Anyway, have a good night and stay safe out there. Goodbye. Hello, my name is Billy Carson, and I'm a best-selling author and the founder of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Together with my team, we have built an all-new conscious streaming TV platform designed with every family member in mind. If you have ever wanted to travel the world and attend lectures and workshops from your favorite speakers but weren't able to, look no further. ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. There are dozens of workshops and lectures from speakers you know and love. We have also included amazing categories to assure that your consciousness is entertained and elevating on a daily basis. Amazing interviews, ancient history, ascension knowledge, wisdom teachings, documentaries, conspiracies, mysteries, health and fitness, conscious cooking, meditations, finance, yoga, and so much more. To start your free trial on any mobile device or computer, surf to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's ForbiddenKnowledge with the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Again, visit ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today.